Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. God is good. It's wonderful once again to have the scriptures read and just bear with me as I read the scriptures again. Uh, Luke chapter 11, verses 14 to 27. It, it reads, And he was casting out a devil, and it was dumb. And it came to pass, when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake, and the people wondered. But some of them said he casted out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. And others tempting him sought of him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falleth. If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because ye say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub. And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than him shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted and divided his spoil. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me, so and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none, he said, I will return unto my house whence I came out. And when he cometh, he findeth it garnished. Sorry, findeth it swept and garnished. Then goeth he, and taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. And it came to pass, as he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed the womb that bare thee and, and the paps which thou hast sucked. But he said, Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Someone ask your neighbor, Whose influence is it? Whose influence is it? Hallelujah. To God, to God be the glory. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. And may we never be the same again. Hallelujah. A amen. Right. This passage is a very interesting one. In the world today, praise God, there is this belief called, sorry, there is this belief called 
naturalism. And the idea is that the world is just simply natural. There are no spirits, no deities, nothing else. It is just as we see it. And people who have this mindset show it in everything that they do. They believe that the only forces that are present in our world are the natural forces. That is gravity, the weaker nuclear forces, which causes decay, and electromagnetic forces. And then finally, the stronger nuclear forces that brings or causes things to come together. But the the Hellenistic world in which Luke lived had a different understanding. In their mind or in their understanding They believe that there existed beings or spirit beings that influenced what human beings did on, on the earth. That is, human beings, though have a mind to do or to decide on things, they were often influenced by these gods. The Romans, like the Romans in the time that Luke lived, also had this understanding. And as you, you might know already, they had different gods. They believed that spirits existed in almost everything. So this understanding was very, very common. And let's not take it too far. Many cultures today... And I'm aware of most African cultures who believe that there are spirits. And even if you go to Asia, there are, there are spirits behind everything. There are, there are spirits who control money, spirits who control wealth, spirits who control health, control well-being, and all kinds of things. I mean, there are all kinds of spirits. And if you're able to perform the proper rituals, then you get the favor of these gods on your side and you can live successful. Now the teachings of Jesus that Luke present to us in this passage makes us to understand that naturalism is not true. That the world we see is just what it is and there's nothing else to it. That there are Spirit beings present, but the only difference is that Christ Jesus' understanding is different from what those Romans and those 
Hellenistic environment what they used to think. Their view is different from that of Christ. And this is this. In the teachings of Jesus, there are only two forces. Only two at work. The power of God and the workings of Satan. Praise God. And from what he teaches us, Satan's agenda is to ruin human lives. But God's intention is to bless mankind. Praise God. Praise God. So God desires for humans, or God desires blessed, victorious lives for all humans. But for this to happen, every human being has to make a choice. A choice must be made. It's not automatic. Just like we've been talking about for the last uh, two Sundays. Choices are important. And choices, as long as you begin, the moment you, you begin to live, you become conscious and begin to live, you begin to make choices. And another important truth I need to bring out is the fact that Life's priorities will not automatically order themselves for you. If you've got a thousand and one chores to do, they won't organize themselves for you just by themselves. You got to take responsibility to organize them. And here in this passage, what we're going to understand, what, what God wants us to understand is, is that when it comes to the matter of who influences you, you need to make a choice. <laughs> what influences you requires you to make a choice. And someone said this, not deciding to make a choice is in itself a choice. But you might not like the consequences of that choice. What I want us to do next, I want, I want us to go through this passage and I want to point, point something out to you in this passage. That as him, here on this earth, humans, we have company. We have company. Praise God. We have company. Praise Jesus. We have company. And we... I, wanna, I would like to just take, take, you, take you through a few scriptures here. Look at the verse 14, please. In the verse 14, the scriptures make mention of devils, right? Devil in verse 14. And it talks about Beelzebub in verse 15. In verse 18, it talks about Satan. And then in, and in verse 18, again, talks about devils. And then in verse 20, we have the kingdom of God. 
verse 24, we have unclean spirits. And then in verse 26, we have wicked spirits. So we see this is, so here on this earth, we have an invisible company with us. So that we are not alone on this earth. Praise God. We're not alone. But what exactly are these spirits here for? This is what we've explained earlier. That there are satanic powers. They identify by many names. One of them very clearly here is Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. We have Satan. We have unclean spirit. We have wicked spirits. We have devils. But then we also have the we have God. And of course, comes with all the host of the holy angels and the Holy Spirit and all that host. So we are not just alone here on this earth. There is a spiritual or a supernatural world around about us. So when we're living here on this earth, we need to be mindful that it is not just dealing with bodies. There are an invisible company. Or there is an invisible company around us. What is their purpose? What is their purpose? Of course we understand that God's purpose is for good. It's to bless man and to see to it that man lives a victorious life. But what about these wicked spirits? Come to me, come with me to the verse 14, please. The verse 14. In the verse 14. And he was casting out a devil, and it was dumb. Hmm. He was casting out a devil, and it was dumb. We've been focusing on this issue of life choices. And we've seen that, you know, the, the first two, the first one was that we need to make the excellent choice of choosing to sit at the feet of Christ to learn from him. The second one we said was that after we've heard from Christ, we need to be able to speak back to God. In this third study, as we look at, we hear, we see Christ encounter a man who was dumb. That is, he could not speak. He could not speak. Among all the disabilities and challenges that face human beings here on this earth, one of the challenging ones, serious ones, or very depressing one is to come across a person who cannot speak. Very sad. A person who cannot speak. A person who cannot speak really 
It's like a man in prison. In prison in the, in the sense that you have, oh, your eyes can see. You have so many things happen on the inside of you, but you can't bring them out. It makes a prisoner of a, of a, of a human being. It's a real challenging thing. It's a real troubling thing. It robs a human being of one of the essential qualities that man, that, that God made him for. Because God made man to be able to speak, able to express himself. But these wicked spirits, this devil has made this man dumb that he cannot speak. So what Christ does here, what Christ does here is that he heals this man. And it's very clear both the both the critics of both his critics and those who like him, they all could see that this work was definitely a miracle. A person who was dumb, he cast the devil out, and the man is now able to speak. But what happens here, I want to suggest to us that it is more than a miracle. It was not just showing us a miracle, but also as a parable. A parable. Because why does Luke bring this particular incident right in the, in, you know, as he's, as he's doing the teachings of Christ, going to, traveling to Jerusalem? Why does he bring this thing in here? He's spoken about sitting at the feet of Christ, learning. He's spoken about prayer. And then he brings in the, the issue of Christ casting out a devil from a man who could not speak. Another man could speak. Interesting. It's a very interesting thing that this man definitely, definite, certainly has been struck by the devil and Christ comes to set him free by healing him, giving him the ability to speak. Praise God. That the power of Christ is able to change the damage done by these wicked spirits. And you see, as we said earlier on, speech is one of the things that God, praise God, speech is one of the treasures that God gave man. And why? Just coming from the issue of prayer, having spoken about prayer, and Christ here healing a man who could who could now speak. Speech was given to man so that man can express himself to God. The immediate thing that comes to mind here is the issue of being able to say to God, Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. God set man here 
to be able to communicate with him. But the enemy is making sure that man is not able to communicate with God. So if man is on this earth to be able to communicate with God, and now he cannot speak. So when God is expecting conversation from the earth, the earth is silent. So the plan or the intention of Satan is to keep a silent planet. Just to borrow a terminology. A silent planet. A silent planet then is the work of the enemy. And that's his whole plan. That the earth will be silent. Silent in, in the sense that man is not able to communicate with God. Man is not able to speak back to God. When God does wonderful things, man is not able to speak it out. And when something is happening here on this earth, man is not able to talk to God. Silent. Silent. Someone will say, but... He could have spoken in his heart. Yes, I'm glad he said that. But it pleased God who created man and gave man the power of speech. That he will speak to man and that man speaks back to him. If prayer was supposed to be just in your heart alone. How then, could, how then would we have been able to, you know, hear the things that Christ prayed about? And the things that apostles prayed about to learn from him. So God intends for man to be able to speak back to him. Praise the Lord. He able to speak back to him. Man was created as the priest of God. The priest of creation. Man's role in the earth is to be able to see what is happening and communicate to God. Talk to God about what is happening. Report things to God. And how does he report things to God on this earth if he is dumb? But it is the enemy's plan. And his agenda, that man, that the planet will become silent. Silent. I am not talking about all the noise of cars moving, uh, factories and industries, technology and all that cause, that, 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 that cause so much noise in the earth. I am talking about a silent planet in, this, in the sense of man not being able to talk to God. So many things can be happening here. Noise. But God wants to hear from the priest of creation. He's put us here as priests to be able to communicate unto him. To be able to see heaven replicated here on this earth. And man must converse with God. But if man cannot speak, and I'm taking this one as a parable, spiritually, man cannot speak. Man is not able, he's locked within his spirit, he's locked within himself. He cannot speak. 
God have mercy. But if man can communicate with God, then the plans and the, and the purposes and the intentions of God will be carried out here on this earth. So you see why the enemy will fight so hard that he will keep a silent planet, keeping men dumb. So this physical dumbness is not just on the natural alone, it is also on the spiritual level as well. Where men, people, humans, are not able to communicate to, to God. Why? Because the enemy has made sure that they do not speak. But the good news is this. In the verse 14 again. In the verse 14. In the verse 14. He says, when, when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake and the people wondered. The dumb spake and the people wondered. That is the glory of the miracle that Christ did. That when he appeared, when he manifested, the dumb was able to speak. Hallelujah. That you see, the strong, Jesus explains what is happening here in the verse he makes mention of this in the, in, in the verses that follows. In the verse 21, he says, When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, he, his goods are in peace. His goods are in peace. This peace here, understand, Christ is not referring to the peace of God as we know that peace of God that breaks the authority of chaos and, this, and destruction. No, not that one. But this is the peace, a different kind of peace. A peace that keeps a person within, quiet, prayerless. Spiritually dumb mankind. Though he's suffering, he can't express anything, he's quiet. Or he even says, oh, well, God will not even hear me. There's no need to talk, to, talk to, to God. He keeps everything at peace. So God never hears anything. Nothing comes up from him. He keeps those people in peace. The strong one here, Christ makes us to understand, is the devil. And when he's in control, when he's in charge, he keeps his goods in peace. Peace. So they ask nothing from God. Even though they may be suffering, they're not able to ask anything. They get quiet. They're chained. Chained by the enemy. He makes sure that they're not able to utter anything. Confidence to stand before God. Everything is just gone. Quiet, suffering, in peace, quietness. This, 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 this is a unique kind of peace. It, it, is not the, it, it is not the Christian kind of peace which we talk about. This peace is different. It's one that destroys a man. The peace of the devil. Keeping them quiet. So they never break out. But the good news is this. 
when Christ comes, hallelujah, when Christ comes, he liberates a man and a man breaks out and is free and is now able. He's now able. He's now able to speak out to God be the glory. You see, many of these people who are spiritually dumb, who believe that there's no world anywhere else, so why would they pray to God? Because in the understanding, there's no other, there's, there's nothing else. It is just this. Actually, we are here by accident. Some things were happening chemically, biologically, and then by accident, human beings appeared. So we are all accidents. So anything that's happening is by accident. Hmm, interesting. So you think by accident. Everything you do is by accident. How ridiculous that idea is. But that is a kind of world that the enemy wants to keep. And if you look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 3, it says, And you have he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of, of disobedience, among whom we also had our conversation in time past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of rough, even as others. So this is the state. But when Christ comes in, he liberates. He breaks the dumbness. And he opens our mouth that we can speak unto God. Praise God. Isn't it interesting that Christ, that Christ does not wait. He did not wait for this man to ask him to do anything. He didn't ask. Praise God. He didn't ask him. Isn't it good? God is good. Praise God. Hallelujah. That he did not wait for anyone. He didn't know even for the man to ask him. Because God did not create man to live in that form. To, to live in that way. Ah, praise Jesus. Come with me please to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Okay. Colossians 2, verse 13. Okay. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh has he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of, of ordinances that was against us which was contrary to us and take it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a shoe of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink 
or in respect of a holy day of a, of a new moon, which is a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, but vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Hebrews 2, Hebrews 2, please, 14 to 15. Hebrews 2, quickly. I'll read these two verses and then I'll be done, I guess. Praise God. Hebrews 2, 14 to 15. For as much then as brethren, as, as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise himself partook of the, of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Praise God. So the point I'm making here is this. That Christ coming on the scene liberates us. When he appears, the earth is no longer silent. When Christ appears, he breaks the silence. When Christ appears, he releases a man to be able, you know, to speak back to God. Hallelujah. So if you, are, if you have been set free by God, if you have been freed, if you have entered the kingdom, or if you have seen the kingdom, or if Christ has come into you, then I have come to appear. To tell you that, hey, your dampness is healed. You are able to speak to God. Hallelujah. Jesus. Don't join the world. Do not join the world. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now come with me. The, the next thing we see here in this passage is this. That when the kingdom appears, you need to make a choice. So, the enemy makes sure, or the, or the devil makes sure, that men are dumb. They cannot speak to God. They cannot talk to God. Even though God wants to hear from them, they cannot talk to God. But Christ, in his mercy and goodness, appears and brings heal, and brings healing. He takes, he removes the dumbness, he casts out the devil, and he causes us to be able to speak. But when the kingdom manifests or appears, there is a choice that every human being must make. A choice must be made. Praise God. A choice must be made. You see... When we look into Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 to 13, which I'm, I'm sure most of us remember this scripture, it says that when, he, when Christ was risen from, from, from the dead, he led captivity captives and gave gifts unto men. Now, what I want you to understand is this, that the gifts that Christ gave, these were gifts that God gave to the church. But, and these, this, this, these gifts, we understand, they are the apostles, they are the prophets, they are the teachers, they are, they are the pastor teachers, and they are the evangelists. Now, these gifts are a blessing to, to the body of Christ. They are, they, are, they, are, they are a blessing. But before these people became the gifts of God, they were also dumb. We were all dumb. Hello. So, there are benefits that we get when the kingdom comes. There are benefits. 
these gifts were dumb before. Before a person became an apostle, became a, a, a prophet, became an evangelist, became whatever, this person was dumb. But by the appearance of the kingdom, these gifts have come upon us. Hallelujah. These gifts have come upon us. Okay. But the problem is this. If you look at the verse, come with me to the verse 15, please. But some of them said, He cast out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils, and others tempting him, sought of him a sign from heaven. A sign from heaven. So he cast those, he cast the devil out. The kingdom of God has appeared. Look at the verse 20 just for a minute. The verse 20 just for a minute. The verse, the verse 20. I need to do this. The verse 20. He says, but if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. So here Christ shows that the kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God has come, but these people need to make a choice. And what choice are they making? The choice they are making is this. They are saying that what Christ has done, he has done it by the chief of the devils, which is Bill Z. Bob. So, Everyone could see that this is a miracle, no doubt. A miracle of God has taken place. But then they are choosing to say it is the workings of Beelzebub, the, the chief or the prince of the devils. It's quite sad, you know, that... When God has revealed all that there is to reveal. When God has made himself known to a person. And the person decides. Or makes the wrong choice. What else can God do? When two human beings are having an issue. God can step in. God can step in. But when God himself steps in and presents something, a man says, I choose to see it this way. Who, what else can God do and what help does that man got? Who else can help that man? Hello. You see, what they are doing here is what we call Reversing of values. And this is something we see in our society today so much. Where men are reversing values. They are calling what is good evil and what is evil good. Isn't that what we have right now? Right now if you stand and you say that 
marriage is between a man and a woman, the world will challenge you, the world will fight you, and probably even imprison you. What the world expects you to say today is that marriage is between a man and a man, a woman and a woman, and that the traditional way of marrying actually is wrong. If you say that, the world will hail you. You will become renowned. They will celebrate you. Christians stand and they say, well, we need help in doing A, B, C, D. Nobody comes to help. But if you get someone who comes and says, well, you know what? <laughs> I am this. I am against the ways of God. I don't believe in any God thing. I don't believe in all that. I want to just do good for mankind. I want to make sure that everyone is happy. So I want to make sure that, you know, whatever you feel like doing, just do it. I want to help you, you know, express yourself. Live as you want to. You're a boy. You want to become a girl. That, that, that is fine. Change it as you like it. Become whatever you want to become. And I'm raising funds to do this. I tell you, it won't be long. In a week, they'll raise about a million pounds. Why? Because the society has come to a point where we are calling truth lies, good, evil, and evil, good. And when a man goes along that road, what help has he got? What is his chances? No chance. God have mercy. Praise God. Because of my time, let me just do this thing very quickly. There's no chance. No chance. The thing is this. Every choice we make attracts consequences. Our choices attract consequences. No one makes a choice. And it's just a neutral. You remain, neut you remain neut neutral. When you make choices, you attract consequences. Praise God. Choices attract consequences. They said what? They said he cast out devils by Beelzebub. And Christ says, what are you doing? It is a rejecting of the spirit of God at work. And why are they rejecting Christ? They are rejecting Christ because they are rejecting the work of Christ, the work of the spirit because they are not ready to become Christ followers or they're not ready to follow Christ. They're not ready for that. So they reject it. And here I say they, they were making or they made a fatal choice. What they could see very clearly uh, is a miracle, no doubt. But they chose to say it's a working of Beelzebub. And the but Christ reminds them, if what I have done, hello, if by the finger of God I've cast out devils, then no doubt the kingdom of God. Is come upon you. 
And Christ makes it very, very clear. He says, there are consequences. And the first consequence is this. He says, if you reject, if you call, if you can see clearly the workings of God, but you can call truth lies, good, evil, and you call evil good, which is what is very common in our society today. Christ says, you are working against me. Look at the verse 23. He says, he that is not with me is against me. If you are not with me, you're against me. If you're not with Christ, you're against Christ. Christ is not giving any room here. If you're not with me, you're against me. When you put, so basically, let me put it in very simple terms. Any times a person turns the values of God upside down, any time a person calls good evil and evil good, that person is working against Christ. Anytime a person prefers, you know, the, the principles of his culture to the principles of God, that is, you set God's principles aside to go by the principles of your society or your culture or your home or whatever, that are clearly against what God expects or God wants, Christ is saying, you are against me. Let's call a spade a spade. We are talking about choices. Choices. And these choices we have to understand, they come from two sources. Either you're being influenced by devils or being influenced by God. But the devils are making sure that man is not able to respond to God. But God works so that we respond to him. He brings his truth so we can respond to him. So any principles, any values... That we pick or that we go for. Any, 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 anything, anything that you do that goes contrary to, to the way that God wants. You see, don't say that, well, I am, I am, I am just, this is, this is just me doing something. Um, I love Christ. It, 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 it is just that I want to do this thing. No, there's no room for that. I will show you in a minute. There's nothing like, well, this is just me just, just doing something. You know, I love Christ. I just want to just get this thing done. No, you are against Christ. Full stop. You are against Christ. So there are consequences. There are consequences. Consequences. He that is not with me is against me. And then... He, again, he, he continues, and in the, in the B part, he says, And he that gathereth not with me scattereth. This is a very important point. A very important point here. You know, there are, there are some people in the group who obviously are against, don't like the fact that the man was disabled. They didn't like that. The man could not speak. They didn't like the idea. And they are and will want him healed, but then there are some old, but then these same people, though they want the man healed, they also don't feel very bold to stand with Christ. So they are neither for the so they realize that those who were those who were criticizing Christ were too harsh, 
they don't agree with them and they, 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 they want the man healed, but they also don't agree with Christ so much because Christ is also too, Christ, Christ is also, also too sharp. So you see, uh, 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 they, they, they are kind of in the middle, you know, neutral ground. They're in the middle. But Christ says, He that gathereth not with me scattereth. Hello. That is the second consequence. It's a fact that there is no neutral ground. There is no neutral ground. Because there are some people who take neutral ground. Whoa. I am not against Christians. And neither am I for the things that the world is doing wrong. Hey. There is no neutral ground. You are either for Christ or you are not for him. If you say what? He that gathereth not with me. If you're not gathering with me, Christ says, then you are scattering. And scattering means you're against me. So, deciding not to make a choice in itself is a choice. Because when you, de- when you decide, you're going to be neutral. You've already decided you're not on the side of Christ. And the thing is this, neutral ground is dangerous. Praise God. Neutral ground is dangerous. Why is neutral ground dangerous? Check the verse 24. Neutral ground is dangerous. So here, he spoke specifically to these people. Now, hey, neutral ground is, is dangerous. Don't go there. Yes, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and finding none, he said, I will return unto my house whence I came out. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. Then he then goeth he and taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and there dwell. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. You see, we have often used this passage of Luke allegorically or in some form. You know, we've, we've just thrown it here and there. But here, Christ was speaking directly to a, a, a situation. First of all, I believe that he was speaking to these people on the neutral ground. That, hey, just like the, just like the Jewish nation. Wow. <laughs> he was speaking to them. Wow. We... <laughs> We are safe. We, we, we are not on that side or we're not, or we're not on that side. No. He's saying, hey, you cannot say that. Okay? You cannot say that you are clean. You cannot say that, well, we, we have the principles of God. We have the word of God. He said, Israel. Okay. Let me bring in a background, a background story or a background picture. Israel, as we all know, have for, have previously been been victims of idolatry okay and they've gone into exile they've gone into captivity for they've gone into captivity various times for what for idolatry and when they came out of the last one israel made sure that idolatry was out of its blood so as far as christ the time that Christ was alive, Israel had not gone back into idolatry. So they count themselves safe. They count themselves okay. We are fine. But Christ is saying, hey, 
when the unclean spirit goes out of a, a man, it walketh through dry places. And after a while, it comes back to where it was before. And when it comes to find out that they are so is clean and tarnished, it goes to bring seven evil or wicked spirits to come and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse. So Israel, what Christ was saying through this, if we see it as a parable, what he was saying to them is this. If you do not receive me, Christ, the stronger man, if you don't receive me and you remain as is, your last state is going to be terrible. What Christ was saying to them is this. You've been free from idolatry. But you are still empty. You need me. You need a stronger man. Okay? When a strong man guides his house, right? It takes a stronger man to come and destroy it. And he, Christ, is a stronger man. So what he's saying here is this. The enemy is gone. The devil is gone. But when he comes back and there's nothing there, he will come and bring stronger spirits, wicked spirits to occupy. So Israel, you are not safe. You need me. Another way we can, another way we can really, you know, understand this passage is this. That, praise God. Another way we can understand this passage is this. When unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and finding none. He said, I will come back. Does it mean that a person when he's born again can become filled with an, with an evil spirit? I want to explain a few things here. Because we have seen some people who belong to the church of God, they've gone back and then they become so worse and sometimes they even die in their worst state. Sometimes they, they, they die cursing God and, and all that. And people are asking, but, but how can a person be born again and go into that state? If you are born again, does it mean that they've lost their salvation? Now, watch this. A person can be converted or reformed, but not regenerated. He can be converted or reformed. But not regenerated. Because conversion. Conversion simply means a change. And this change may just be made. It may be just a mere change of mind. Or a mere change of understanding. He's converted. He's changed his mind about certain things. Where he has certain understanding of certain things. Things in the church has his certain under, 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 understanding. But that does not necessarily mean regeneration. Then there is also reformation. Reformation is just simply to change from one state into a better state. It also implies conversion. But reformation is more of an outward thing. Where people see that you used to go here, but you no longer go there. You now turn to go to another place. But reformation, again, is not regeneration. 
Now, regeneration, on the other hand, regeneration is when a person receives new life. Eternal life. Where a person receives the working of the Holy Spirit in his soul. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell in that person continually. He comes to inhabit. Regeneration is what we say. You are born again. There's been a nature change. Hallelujah. Now, nature change. When Christ comes to live on the inside, then this nature change happens. So a person may have been converted. Just change his mind about some things. Or become reformed because he's been around Christians. He's been around the church. So he's learned a few words. Or maybe in the... In a Christian home, he's been brought up in a Christian home. He's learned a few ways of doing good things, some good things, some good things, some good things. And because of that, that person deceives himself thinking that he or she is regenerated. But in truth, he is not. Or we talk about reformation. Reformation is just an outward change. But what is needed is regeneration. So he says, in any of these two forms, in conversion or in reformation, hey, when the devil come back, he'll come to find that you are nice and clean, he will bring seven more wicked spirits and their state, the state of that person becomes worse. This is what Christ is teaching here. Hallelujah. Praise God. But there's something more I want to say something more I want to say. You see, it was not for nothing that earlier on in the other part in the in the in the in, in the first in the previous passage, Christ said we should pray for the Holy Spirit. Pray for the Holy Spirit. Ask the Father for the Spirit. Basically, on if a person has not gotten the spirit of, of Christ in him. He is none of Christ. He doesn't belong to Christ. So he says, ask for the Father, ask the, the Father to give the Spirit. Hallelujah. Ask the Father to give the Spirit. It's only when the Holy Ghost comes in, then he changes everything. And in 1 Peter 2, sorry, 2 Peter 2, the verse 22, 20 to 20, 22, Peter makes us to understand that these false prophets, these people who came in, into the church as if they are people of God, as if they are men of God, but actually they were not. And they even came to teach and came to do all sort of things. He says, For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through, the, through acknowledgement, or you might say acknowledgement of the, Lord Jesus, of, the, of the Lord Jesus and Savior, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it's happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit and the soul has, that was washed to her wallowing in the mirror. So basically what Christ was saying here that when a, pers- when a person, when the unclean spirit goes out and he, maybe you just receive some understanding some knowledge so you've changed some things but you're not really regenerated see so when the kingdom of god appears when the truth of god comes to us there's a choice we must make and it must be a good choice hallelujah let me quickly rush through this it must be a good choice 
What is that good choice? Or it must be, or we must make a proper response. And the proper response is this. To recognize the finger of God. Verse 20. Luke 11 verse 20. It says, if I by the finger of God has cast out, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come unto you. What did Christ mean by the finger of God? In Exodus 8 verse 19. The first time we come across this word, this phrase, finger of God, you remember, was in the house of Pharaoh. Remember in Egypt? When Moses did the miracle, uh, put the, Moses did all the miracles, and the magicians were also doing the same miracles. Then the third one, they couldn't replicate it. So they said, Pharaoh, this is the finger of God, indicating this is the power of God, and we cannot match it. So Christ was saying, this is what I've done. is clear the power of God. So we must recognize the power of God when the kingdom of God manifests. We should be able to recognize the power of God and acknowledge it as so. Respond properly and say, yes, this is the finger of God. And not try to say, well, the world will live. There's no other world. There's no God. There's no nothing. All that we have in the world is all that we have around us. And then that's it. Hey, listen, dumb. You see, if the enemy, oh my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. His whole intention is to have a silent planet, Earth, where nothing goes back to God, where there's no communication, no fellowship with, with God. So if he can tell people that he doesn't exist and God doesn't exist, he has won. And many people, unfortunately, have believed that lie and are living in that lie. God have mercy. And you see, secondly, secondly, Again, in Exodus 31, the verse 18. Here again, you remember Moses recording how the Ten Commandments was given unto him. He said something. He said, and he gave unto Moses when he had made an end of communion with him upon the Mount Sinai. Two tablets of testimony, tablets of stone, written with the finger of God. Written with the finger of God. Again, written by the power of God. So here Christ is saying, what he's saying here is this. That it was written by the, of this authority, this legislation, it came from the, from, from the authority of God. Praise, praise, praise God. So we are talking here about two things in Exodus 8, 19 and 31, 18. We are talking about the power of God and the authority of God. That when the kingdom of God manifests, we must have the proper response of recognizing that the power and the authority of God has come. So when Christ used the phrase, if I, by the finger of God, Christ was saying to, the, uh, to, the, to them, I am bringing in the power and the authority, a new order, hallelujah, a new, a new instruction. I am bringing in a new order of God, praise God. I am bringing in something new. I'm bringing in something new and you must turn and follow me. The old way is over. I'm bringing the new thing. And man must recognize. So whenever the kingdom of God manifests, there's a choice to be made. And we must recognize the power and the authority. The instructions of God. When the instructions come, we have to recognize that this is the instructions of God. Why? Because it promotes the name and the kingdom of God. It promotes God's righteousness. It does not exalt man. If the thing is just to exalt man, then you can say it is of the devil. But if the instructions, 
The doctrine, the teaching is exalting the name of God Almighty and exalting his kingdom and his name and his will and his, and his, and his purposes here on this earth. Hey, the kingdom of God has appeared and we must respond accordingly. Praise God. We will have choices. We will have choices. I was speaking to, him, to, to, a, to a gentleman last week. And this gentleman had to make a choice. And the choice was this. To either go and work in a place that, su that supports something he doesn't believe in. A place that supports, you know, lifestyles he doesn't believe in. Or for the money's sake, just, just go. And he said, no, I can't do it. My conscience is bound. I can't do it. And I said, that's it. That's it. A choice must be made. Anything that comes your way and it's, it is contradictory to the ways of God, you, if you go for it, you are working against Christ. And if you stand aloof and say, well, I am in the middle, I'll come to tell you there's no middle ground. A choice must be made. Either you are for Christ or against Christ. And if you stay neutral, it won't be long you'll find yourself inhabited by seven wicked spirits. And you're doing damage against the kingdom of God. And I just want to just finally just end with this one. A woman who was listening to all that was going on ha has been listening for, for some time and seen how Christ has displayed all the critics and silenced them. And the woman shouted in the, in the verse 27. And, and she said this. She said, Oh, blessed is the womb, blessed is the, is the womb that bear thee and the paps that gave thee sucker. And Christ, not, not trying to disrespect the woman, said, yes, indeed, yes, yes, I agree, I agree, I agree. Blessed is that woman, but, 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 he said, rather blessed is are they that hear and hear the word of God and keep it. Okay, hear it and keep it. A choice must be made. A choice must be made. Now, when you've heard the word of God, you think you remember in our first lesson on the on the choices that we have to choose or make the ex ex excellent choice of sitting down to hear him. Now, that is not enough. It, it, it is not enough just to sit down to hear from him. But after you've sat down to hear him, obey what you've heard. Obey what you've heard. Obey what you've heard. Because it's all about who is influencing your life. You know, it is either God influencing your life or it is devils and demons and wicked spirits and unclean spirits and Beelzebub and all kinds of spirits, evil spirits, influencing your life. So the question is this. Under whose influence are you operating? I trust God that if you are a believer, you are under the influence of Almighty God. I believe so. I want to believe so. But if some of your ways and manners and and, and things that you do are not in line today. You want to say, God, I repent. I repent. I repent because I have, I have given some of, part of my life under the influence of all these wicked spirits. And I am deceiving myself thinking that because I can still speak in some tongues, shandies and hear it. And I can still say hallelujah. I thought I am fine. But I've come to understand that actually I am working against you. Forgive me. And if you are hearing me and you are not born again, you have never known the Lord Jesus Christ. I've come to tell you, you are clearly Clearly, without any shadow of doubt, you are under the influence of demons already. And you want to 
Today you want to repent. You want to come to God and say, Lord God, I surrender. I surrender. I've understood that there are only two powers. It's only the power of God and the power of Satan. You know, the authority of Christ and that of Satan. I'm either with Christ or against Christ. And I'm either scattering or gathering with him. There's no middle ground. Or, oh, as for me, I'm a nice human being. I'm neither a Christian nor an unbeliever. I'm in between. No, there's no middle ground. And I've come to tell you, your knowledge of scripture will not help you either. Well, maybe you went to school and you did some religious knowledge classes. So, you know some Bible stuff. <laughs> Knowing Bible stuff won't cut it, dear. It won't cut it for you. I'm, I am sorry, but... Knowing Bible stuff will not do it for you. You may know a few Bible verses. You may know a few things. But I've come to tell you. That will not help you either. You need to come clean and say. Lord God Almighty. Today forgive me. Forgive me. Save me. Actually. The question is this. Whose influence is it? You need to make a choice. You need to make a choice. You don't know him. Right now you want to bow your head. You want to pray and say, Lord, forgive me. I want to come under your influence. I want to submit to your authority. And I do that by submitting to your word, to your truth. Help me, O oh God. Help me, O oh God. Help me, O oh God. Talk to him and say, Father, forgive me all my sins. Save me. Wash me. I want to listen to your voice. You are maybe you are already a believer. And yours has been, you know. You're taking some things for granted. You want to praise the Lord God Almighty. The ways I have taken things for granted and allow certain things, I'm going to make my sieve airtight. That there will be no influence of the enemy. No devil is going to influence my life. Oh yes, talk to him right now. Talk to him. Talk to him. I came to tell you one thing, and it is this Christ said there are two powers in the earth that influence human beings. Which of them are you under? But he wants us to be under his influence. Oh, we worship you, Lord Jesus. We, we worship you. Oh, thank him. Bless his name. Thank him that he had, thank him that he came. Bless him that he came that we can be under the influence of God. Thank you, Jesus. Coming to show us the way that we are no we are we are we are no longer under the enemy's power, but under your authority, under your influence. We are no longer under the spirit of disobedience, but under your authority. Thank you. And we bless your name. We thank you. We thank you. You said, blessed are those who hear and do. And because we are under your authority, Father, we, we pray that as we leave this place, Father, 
what we hear under your feet or what we hear at your feet we will obey we will observe we will do it we will put it into practice we will put it into practice we will put into practice we will put into practice blessed be your name 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 thank you father thank you father amen and amen god bless you god bless you the word of god i must say to you is quick and active the word of god is living the word of god is not just a mere written text the word of god is living it's a living thing when the word of god proceeds when it comes out from the mouth of god as matthew puts it when it comes out from the mouth of god it is a living and active word powerful able to effect change and change things it is not a dead letter god's word is living i am talking about the word that proceeds from the mouth of the living god and it's active and it it's powerful